This is a Hoff Studios podcast. It's Nora Pfeiffer. It's Nora Pfeiffer. She's here. She's here. She's here. I don't sing for everyone. I need you to know that. Thank you. I don't sing for just anyone, lady. (laughs) I haven't seen you in maybe, I don't know, is it 15 years? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you it look is great. You look great. You look exactly. Thanks. You look exactly the same to me. Is it because <laughs> okay. my eyeballs are are faulty, or is it because like we just look the same? That's fifteen years ago. I absolutely think we look the same. We, we oh, looked fabulous then, and and now, and and fabulous, yeah. fabulous now. We're just fabulous. <laughs> Cheers to your kombucha, Nora. Oh, what are you drinking? You know what I'm drinking water out of a plastic bottle? Is that is that kosher? The answer is no. It's oh. not you're not supposed to do such things, but you do have to hydrate. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. So now that we sipped, um, may I ask you to please introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, I am Nora Pfeiffer. I am a Nora theater director Pfeiffer. and film director, and I have two small children. Oh my gosh, Nora. First of all, the last time we spoke Mm -hmm. (laughs) was 15 years ago in college, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) you were an actress. You were a beautiful actress. Oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh. You moved all the way to Chicago to do theater and be like live a real artist's life. You really (laughs) did sidestep the New York hustle. You were like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna do it my way. Are you from Chicago? I am from Chicago. So I, I love I love that that perspective of it because of course I I often thought about living in New York and staying in New York. That was where my community was, you know. Yeah, you did live in New York. Yeah. You lived yeah, in, I mean, at NYU. Chicago, you know? Yeah. Um I you know, I I always wondered what it would be like to have my professional theater career in New York because it did feel really different in Chicago. I loved loved living and working in Chicago too. Um, do you not yeah, live there I anymore? Weird. I don't live there Where do anymore. Live? Where do you live? I live in New Hampshire. Oh, you see the I don't know if I you can love... see the trees. <laughs> I like see a lot of space is what I see. I see more space than let's just say New York city or Chicago. Yeah. A lot yeah. of, a lot of space to think and be creative and have two children. That's right. And my husband is from New Hampshire, which is which is what motivated the move here a few years ago. And I run a theater company out here, uh, an experimental oh. sort of immersive style theater company called Firelight. That's amazing. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I just did an experimental play of Measure for Measure in a black box theater in Brooklyn for me. You know what I mean? Sometimes you, you just got to do it for me. Yes, yes. Oh, well, I don't you, know. Is it your project? You were the engine behind it? I was not the engine behind it, but I um, I got to play a clown, like a Shakespearean clown in, in Measure for Measure, which is like inherently a problematic play, but also like from the perspective, like from a modern perspective, it's also like, it's like bad. It's like very mm-hmm. woman-hating. Yeah. Um, so there were experimental elements and also, you know, the clown is always like the truth teller in like a funny way. So mm-hmm. that was cool. I got to play that. And that was a gender bended um, casting. Mm. But I say it was for me just because like, I don't know, I feel like, uh, you know, I have, I have two kids also. My older son is five and a half. And, you know, for the past, I don't know, six years, 
I, it feels like everything I do has to have some sort of bottom line, you know, like, you know, either financially or, um, you know, impact or whatever it is, because my time is limited and because of, you know, resources, etc. But this play was like, only for me. Wow. It was like, there was an audience, there was definitely a cast and, you know, the wonderful company that I worked for, but it was for me. You know, to do for me. I really relate to that calculation of, okay, is this where I can spend my time right now? Am I allowed to spend my time here? Mm -hmm. It has to to check many boxes in order for it to take a a parent's time. Um, Yeah. So that is amazing that you did that for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason why I reached out is because some random mutual friend... um, posted about your film. This is your first film, right? Your debut, yeah, directorial film, debut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She posted about your feature film. I mean, she's a she's a mutual friend because she's also an actress. Um, mm-hmm. And she was just like, what? These people are doing eight-hour days and providing childcare? And I was like, what? That's Nora <laughs> Pfeiffer? <laughs> I thought Nora was still an actress. Yes, you were like just such a beautiful actress. I didn't know that you're a director now, but also I didn't know that you work in film. Like this is all, this was all news to me. And I was like, let's unpack it in front of everyone. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Here's the (laughs) mic. Go for it. Well, I also, I, I still consider myself an actor, but it's once I became a mother, things started to change and Mm. I didn't have the same appetite for acting as I assumed that I would um, because there was this new calculation of time. And not only was it a hard transition to become a mother with identity and, and recovery and all the kinds of things that are surprises when you become a mother, um, even when you're planning to be, even when you want to be um, these things are still, they can still be really blindsiding. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was living in Chicago and I was acting and actually, um, I was in a play, a really meaningful play when I was early in my pregnancy. And I was so early that I only told the fight choreographer just to protect (laughs) myself, but I didn't want anyone else to know it was too soon. Um, and, uh, so I sort of assumed that after becoming a mother, I would continue to, um, get back into theater once recovered and all that. Um, and I had received a call from a theater, a theater where I had never worked and I'd really wanted to work there. And they offered me a part in their upcoming show and I hadn't auditioned for it. And that was like a new like professional milestone. I was like, oh, whoa, this is cool to just be called and um, offered a role. Um, and so I accepted. And I mentioned in our second conversation with the casting director, I mentioned that I was pregnant and that I would be six months pregnant during, during the run of the show. And from my perspective, it had no bearing on the character. Um, it was Meep in Diary of Anne Frank, actually, which I think is hilarious because oh. to be cast as the non-Jewish character in that play is really funny to me. Um, when the rest well, of the cast was, Jewish. was not Jewish, playing oh. Jewish. And there I, I was mean, being offered Meep. Yeah, I just have to say that, like, I have, like, a whole dissertation on, like, on on Jewish casting. And it yes, is I would love to hear that. 
Yeah, no, like I legit am working on a whole dissertation on it Um, because I think it's actually pretty problematic in terms of the way the world sees Jews, right? Like everyone's saying like, oh, we're white. And you're like, if you would if you would let the world know what we look and sound like, actually, maybe you. Right. Anyway. And also, let's just just to whittle it down. We'll just say like and also like Jewish writers are casting non-Jewish actors to play Jewish characters and we're just like the self-hatred is so deep anyhow also we just like an iconic Jewish story like the diary of Anne Frank like please cast a Jewish Anne Frank please yeah oh please just cast it right but but then would she be likable oh no also Jews have red hair I mean, my friend Jessie also talks about this, how she's like the most Jewish person that ever lived. But, you know, her, her mother converted and she has red hair, as you know, mm-hmm. Jessica Weiss. Yeah. So she wouldn't like in in um, the Merchants of Venice, she plays Nerissa. And like, you know, our friend who's Italian played Jessica, who's the Jewish girl. And it's just like, oh, my God, you guys, we are just like perpetuating stereotype on stereotype. Like, who's going to stop this? Yeah. Whew. there's so much there's so so much well here but me please could totally have been um so the casting director um when i knew that i was pregnant she um she said well i think it's not gonna work out and i completely um in that moment was complicit and was like oh of course like you're you're absolutely right what was i thinking to be working and pregnant at the same time how how absurd to, to imagine. Actually, like pregnancy is like the model of health. Exactly. When you can make a body out of your body, you're doing great. <laughs> totally, totally. And I'd already been working through the first trimester. Uh, so it seemed, and, and so this casting director who was a mother of four, I, oh my God. I trusted her. I didn't even know her, but I, I trusted her, that she knew something that I didn't. Um, and it really took me a long time to recognize that I had um, sort of, I've been complicit in my own withdrawal of my professional life. You know, I, um, Mm. I, and it took me a while to, uh, even understand what it was I was after anymore. I really, the, I, the theater life didn't entice me anymore. Like the schedule. It's so hard. (laughs) It was so hard. My body, even though like, even though that, that Shakespeare play was for me, like my body was so tired. (laughs) My body. Um, yeah. How, wait, how old are both of your kids? You have a five and a half year old and how old are you? And a three year old and a three year old. Yeah. And I just want to say, just like to, to let the audience in on Nora, Nora is like top tier theater actress, like spent, you know, I guess two decades, like play after play after play. So I, I just want to say like, this is like what it is. This is what it is. You know, thanks Daniela. That really means a lot. Um, thanks. I, I, and not yeah. just theater actress, theater artist, you know, here you are the artistic director of, um, a theater out in New Hampshire because you have so much experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That really means a lot. I mean, I think it was a huge identity shift. I mean, I think, I think anyone cresting over into motherhood is going to face some identity shifts. I think, you know, um, being an artist and a mother being, um, being on any path where it's not clear how you hook back into that path after you have to either take some time off or people see you differently or your body changes or whatever, whatever the changes that you experience are. Like, I think unless there's some sort of prescriptive 
uh, you have this maternity leave and then we're expecting you back to work at this time and business as usual. I think even that would be super challenging. But if there isn't a clear path, if you're making it as you go, uh, that is that, that's it, it was tricky for me because it it gave me a, an opportunity to really question what it is I wanted to be doing um, and what was worth the time. And also I started in some ways, I think I really started devaluing my time right away. I thought, well, if I'm not somehow compensating for the childcare that I would need in order to leave my baby with someone else, which I have a feeling, um, uh, I, I, I mean, I think economics drive a lot of where we're at with parenting roles. And so sure. certainly as an actor who, uh, you know, isn't making, I'm not the breadwinner of the family. It makes sense to be home. It makes sense. It makes sense. And then that becomes a sort of ongoing mantra. Oh, well, it just makes sense. And then all of a sudden time goes by and it's been a while since um, you've done the thing that you're trained to do, that you're good at, that you love, all those things. And like, how much sense does that really make? How much in the long run? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in the short term, but I mean, I, I felt like with the, with my first child, like I really wanted to be there all the mm-hmm. time. And I, I feel similarly with my second, but no, not um, <laughs> because I'm more tired. And I also recognize that like, oh my goodness, my happiness is actually what they want. You know, yeah. they yeah, want it way more than a home cooked meal. They want yeah. it more than a cuddle. That's yeah. the truth. They yeah. really do want it more than me putting them to bed. They want to know that their mother is fulfilled and that they're not detracting in any way. But, you know, that takes time to sink in. Yeah. That, if only we could raise our second children like, you know, our first <laughs> children like our second children. I, I kept pretending. I kept trying to pretend like, if I had another child right now, would I be more relaxed? You know, trying to parent my first child like as if I'd been through it before because everything, all the newness of it was so challenging. Um, and I really, I do parent differently having a second child. I mean... Yeah, I yeah. am much more, uh, it's easier to walk out the door and do my own thing than it was, the, you know, even though there are two of them, than it was. I know, the and it looks like it's, it looks like it's their personality, but in fact, it's like, oh, I'm not like projecting, I'm just like, I'm not like throwing my guilt and stress all over your tiny being <laughs> before That's I great. leave. Yes. You're just like, yes. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All right, back to you. <laughs> um, so... When I had already been sort of experimenting in writing and directing as uh, a little bit, a little bit before, I guess I got pregnant, I had um, co-created a web series and I had gotten a taste of what that was like to be the engine behind something. It started out as sort of an experiment, but then I really liked it. And I liked the whole process, you know, writing it with my partner and then uh, directing it, acting. And it was way too many hats. And then being in the room for the edit and everything, it was way, way too many hats, but it was such a great crash course on the cycle of a project. Um, So I knew that I um, wanted to keep writing and that felt really compatible with being a new parent. So, I mean, like in a way that, that uh, I didn't have to like be at rehearsal at a particular time or go on an audition if I didn't feel like going on an audition. Um, So uh, not to say that I had energy or ideas right away, but I did feel like, okay, I think writing is something that could be on the plate. Um, Well, that's an idea. (laughs) That in and of itself is an idea. It shows some sign of creative juices flowing, just knowing that it's possible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I did find the postpartum time so absurd. The, the, the kinds of places I would crouch in stillness just to not wake up my baby, you know, the ridiculous things we put ourselves through. I had to laugh because otherwise it was just like too depressing. So yeah. um, I did start scrawling some notes in the middle of the night at times like, okay, I have to, um, I will probably forget this if I don't um, write a few of these moments down. And yeah. it really took, um, it took until my daughter was a year and a half to finally have um, one morning a week of childcare. It just like the mechanics didn't work out. You know, Luxury. I know, I know, and and I and it was for a trade with another mother. So I was watching. That's so smart. It, it was fabulous, and they became really close friends. That was after we had moved to New Hampshire, and I really didn't know anyone out here. Um, it was a bit of a fresh start in the sense that I didn't have to introduce myself as an actor, or and it didn't carry as you know uh, the same kinds of things as it would in a city. Um, for better or worse. And I, I, but I wasn't sure how to identify because acting had been a part of my my life forever. So at first I thought, you know, will I, will I choose to identify myself as a writer? I really haven't, you know, I'm I'm still at the beginning of that. I really didn't, I really didn't know. But um, what I did do was I, I kept writing this idea, this idea of this new mother. Um, And it, it was coming out as a comedy, which I really um, leaned into because I, I feel like uh, a comedic lens can ask a lot of people to the table. I mean, I think sometimes when there's a difficult topic, like uh, the postpartum experience, whether it's uh, postpartum depression or not, the postpartum experience is, uh, is a tough one because it, it carries a lot of um, like private feelings. It's- it's gross. And it's gross. The fluids. Right. I know. The stitches. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All, I mean, it's, it's gross. I mean, it, here's the thing. What's so crazy is it's, it's, it's life. You know, I think we've been sanitized so profoundly that like both, both you and I could be like, it's fucking gross. Yeah. And like, really, it's light, literal life. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the, and the rawest bits of it. But, you know, we're, we don't live in a world where that's, sacred so we have to do something else like similar to the shakespearean clown we have to tell the truth in a funny way yeah because that's yeah. the balm that's Absolutely. the way we can you know like that's the syrup around the medicine exactly exactly and it it you you can surprise people that way you can say come on in i'm going to tell you a joke while you're here i'm going to hit you with some truth and yep. hopefully you'll be a little changed by it or you'll have been listening so hard because you were you were laughing and paying attention um and like your guard comes down a little when you're laughing right you don't have to put up the walls like oh something something scary or depressing is going to happen like i just want to you know you're choosing to be there somehow um so i i i leaned into the to the comedy of it i love I, i love the idea of the clown because the clowns are always yeah they they've got the goods of the truth Mm. um yeah so um it i i spent a lot of time uh i spent a lot of time writing it um because i wasn't sure what the plan was with it initially i was like well maybe someone will want to do it and i'll just like put it out there and and someone else will sell it yeah yeah sell it someone will direct it and package it and yeah and this will have been my contribution to that project i will have written it um great and the deeper in i got like i was like okay first of all 
no one is asking to buy this script. And second <laughs> of all, I have a pretty good handle on what the tone is and what the vision is. The deeper in I was, um, the more it made sense to direct it. And I had been a bit taking myself to school on the directing front um, with classes and experimenting oh, wow. with sort of films out here and stuff. So just so I had a bit more of a vocabulary. Um, and your yeah. children were older. So the bandwidth was well returning they, or not as much? Yeah. So they're, they're seven and four. So mm. the, the, I was able to start to develop the film when my daughter was a little bit older, but then the, the project, the cycle of the project, like it hit a wall and then I had to kind of restart because we lost somebody who was involved. And, um, uh, then I had my son. So I was kind of back to it again. Um, and then the pandemic. So, I mean, then there was like that backslide. I mean, Nora, we are just so lucky. We're like, just so blessed. And like the timing of our lives uh, is just like easy peasy. Cause we just like, you know what I mean? Do you? It's happening happening for us, not to us. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) When I hear the ages of people's kids, I immediately do the math uh, a math equation of how old they were when the pandemic started and then just feel sad for the person <laughs> because it doesn't matter how old your kids were during the pandemic. It was hard, but I like to just figure out, okay, so you have a five and a half year old and a three year old. So your life was really, really hard in 2020. Really bad. Like bad, yeah. B-A-D bad. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, so I live in like Brooklyn and there's these cute hipster parents and I don't know what's going on, but I see baby like a lot of babies lately. And I think about nine, ten months ago, people were like, oh, yeah. We're in the clear, let's stop, you know, or something. <laughs> but like it's like very clear that everyone was holding their breath. Yeah. I- I'm really I'm really impressed with people who are having um kids now, you know. It takes like such a huge <laughs> amount of <laughs> optimism. I totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, this I really feel like um I so when 2020 happened, I do feel like I was hearing from my male friends more um of their sort of struggle, their professional struggle, their family struggle that there was this like I'm I'm not an agent of my own time, like I have to be with my kids more than I ever have been and I feel guilty that I don't want to be. I was like, you're experiencing postpartum depression. You haven't experienced this yet, but this is like the lack of control becoming a mother in particular, I think becoming a parent in general, but, um, uh, that to, to be, I felt more prepared. I mean, the pandemic was, uh, it went through many, you know, (laughs) stages in 2020 and 2021 for our family and for me personally. So there were highs and lows, of course, but, um, but I did feel like I'd been through it before. I felt like, okay, this is a familiar feeling. I feel like such a lack of control that um, uh, sometimes that was really hard to know like what it felt like. Like, uh-oh, I don't like this. Uh-oh, no, this is a dark place. I don't like this place. But I also felt like, okay, I if I've been here before, I also know like that there's another, you know, that it goes in waves and, you know. I do think our men actually did experience a like a big lesson in family life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Which I think is an up level for yeah, the planet. I really do. 
Yeah. yeah. Not to sugarcoat, yeah. but I do, yeah. if I, if we are looking back, right, you were talking about all these male friends reporting yeah. like the guilt and the tug and pull family life and making money and all of that, right? That is such a feminine experience. And they, they were like stewing in it just like the rest of us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, I think there was, there is, there continues to be, but certainly in those acute years, the, uh, the, Though there was a lot of uh, growing pains, but hopefully some growing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, um, so when the the film, uh, I because I'd never done this before. I also like part of the decision to, to direct was also that as I was looking for financing, which I had never ever done before, I'd never sought financing yeah. for a project. Yeah, it's hard. Um, people were the people that I was reaching out to were people that were in my own sort of, you know, uh, either, uh, a person in my own orbit or one degree removed. So I had to convince them of the project based on me. So for, I had better luck talking about how involved I was, even if I was, uh, a new director, right. uh, rather than try and not only sell the project to them, but also sell them on, uh, maybe more experienced director who they had no buy-in personally for. So they what were, a lesson. In, yeah. I mean, it, it is really interesting. Um, I feel like I learned so much about um, fundraising and I continue to, it still feels um, like probably every project works differently. Um, but I, um, they were buying into to me as the writer, as yeah. the engine of the story and all that. So it, it was fitting to be the director of it too. I mean, look at us, right? I saw that post. She was amazed by your production and your, mm. um, and I'd love to get into those yeah, decisions at some point, at, mm -hmm. at some point in this conversation. But mm -hmm. right. Why did I ask you on? Because I've always been a fan of yours. Mm. Like, isn't that such a lesson? Like here I was 15 years thinking about Nora Pfeiffer and genuinely being a fan of hers and always thinking well and wishing well and wanting to meet and Right, like there are people in this world who just love us. We have well, no idea where they are, who they are, how how we're going to cross paths. But that's they were just waiting for you to say, "Hey, would you mind tossing a buck my way so I can make art?" <laughs> they didn't want a, anyone but you. Yeah, that is really. I, I love thinking about it that way, and that the, it, no one was forcing them to do it. it. It is a choice, and they, you know. Some people didn't choose to invest and some people did. And those that did, they, they want to, they clearly want to, otherwise they wouldn't. Yeah. So it's a lesson to ask, which is nice. Mm -hmm. It is a lesson to ask. Yeah. I, that is not we, we talk about that all the time about like asking for support. Hmm. Right. Yeah, right. Mothers oh, need God. support. Women, people need support. Um, yeah, actually I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on this lesson that I learned. Um, I was like doing a coaching with, um, you know, this like acting guru. I love, I love her. She has her own podcast. It's called, um, Audrey helps actors and she's fantastic. Oh, and we, we did a coaching together and I was like, what is the landscape? Like, I am so confused. Um, and we talked and we definitely talked about my being a mother, living in New York city, all of it. And she was just like, I want to tell you about something. Oprah bankrupt all of those Oprah favorite things, businesses. Did you know that? No. I was like, what do you mean? No, I didn't know this. She said, 
So all of those businesses had huge exposure, and they weren't set up for that level of success. Oh my God. <gasps> it was either a, you know, like a production problem or some sort of internal, you know, issue, but they couldn't provide the supply for the demand they were experiencing because they didn't have enough support. <gasps> oh God, that's devastating. That is, isn't that incredible? Oh God. Yeah. So she's like, listen, you know, all, all, all you want is available to you. You just need to make an effort to get enough support mm. for that, when it hits. Yeah. That is yeah. an amazing lesson that I think we probably all need to learn and relearn. I, I'm, I'm even now having two kids. I don't think I'm, I'm sure I've gotten better at asking for support, but it isn't, it still isn't something that comes easily. I don't think. No, I don't think it does for any of us. I don't think we were taught it by our own parents. I don't think we're taught it by society. I think we're like really conditioned to believe that like our strength in getting through it mm -hmm. is, um, you know, really valuable. Mm -hmm. I, I actually think like the braver thing is to ask for the money for the project. <laughs> it's really yeah, brave. It's amazing that like the will becomes a little stronger than the fear. Like it's just, it just press over enough to be like, I think I have to do this in order for it to happen. I think I have to do this really, really uncomfortable thing and probably like fail a lot along the way. I'm really glad that part's over. Really. That was not fun. The money part. Yeah. It's not fun. Part, I'm so glad yeah. you did it. The highs and the lows and, and still like, we're still, I mean, it's not over. We're sure, still, sure. you know, um, but, um, but yeah, getting to production that, that, that road of like, Oh, we have this funder. Okay. Oh no, we don't. Okay. We got this location. Nope. Nope. We lost it. You know, all, all that roller coaster ride. Um, but in like, in terms of asking for help, like I, I often think like, gosh, I wish I had had more support or more awareness or like just that I had, I had been better prepared for becoming a mother because I'd always wanted to be a mom. I was like, why is this so hard? Am I just bad at this transition? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean like, but I had no, I, I didn't really have any other um, local friends that were becoming parents. I had friends of different ages and no one really at that same stage of life. So I didn't have a peer um, going through it at that time. And so I just didn't know what was normal, what wasn't. And it's just, of course, exhausting thinking about like, all you know, all of the questions, all the questions. Um, that's why we're, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this podcast. You know, know. Give them a, we're giving them all a heads up. I know it's, it's, a good, it's an incredible mission. And I also think that art does the same thing that your film. And if you can actually just walk us through what the name of it is, oh, who sure, it's starring and yes, all of that stuff. But, um, but I, I believe that art also is a heads up. You know, like if we can see, especially w when it's given in a humorous way, you know, like I yeah, just really yeah. believe in the power of comedy yes. um, and, and I believe in, in the power of sisterhood. And I think like if a sister like you can say like, this is what is possible, mm -hmm. you know, these are some of the details I can like drip into your consciousness in this palatable way. If not you, then your partner, then your mom, then the... You know, I, I really think that we can move the needle forward and um, and and not have people sort of in the in the dark anymore or be alone in the anymore. Like we don't we we were not designed to do this alone. Yeah. 
Daniela, I share this mission so strongly. Like what you just articulated, that is why I made this movie. And that is why you are making this podcast. Like if only we had these things when we were transitioning into motherhood, then I mean, just the exposure, just the honesty, just um, the glimpse into it, that, that, uh, you know, that I think for me, uh, I think my expectations would have been a bit more appropriate for what was about to happen instead of like, I got this, like, I know I've been built for this. I know how to do this. And I really, not only did I ask for, not ask for help, but I had two friends tell me later um, when I was writing this project and everything and describing it, they said, gosh, I didn't know that you were having a hard time. You really seemed like you had it all together. I was like, what? I thought I was like crying for help. And they said, no, no, no. I was afraid to offer you help. Two separate people said this. I was, I was afraid to offer you help because you really, it seemed like you didn't want any. Um, Yeah. I mean, the (laughs) social mask is so strong. Yeah, totally. We've been socialized to look like we're okay from the very beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so like when we're really not okay it's so funny even when I'm not okay even my husband's like I don't know you just seem so strong you seem like you got it all together I'm like do you have eyeballs like, <laughs> I feel like I'm looking into them right now but like do they work and the truth is like I'm really good at masking yeah and yeah. and so many of us are so many women are good yeah. at masking and good at you know and we're also brilliant so you know you're brilliant and you're caring and you're you are strong and so like even just you at like five percent is tremendous yeah. it's not okay right, right it's not okay that we're fooling everyone when we're fooling everyone but yeah, yeah. sometimes that is the experience mm. i hope people can ask for help more Yes. Uh, yes, I do too. I mean, it may be, maybe because of the last couple of years, um, gotten so bone on bone that you have to, or you have to make changes in your life that, you know, you'll, I don't know. I think it's pretty clear that we as a society, like can't function as well as we thought we could. Yeah. Be. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad it's clear. It okay. So- Part of the reason we're so good at masking is because there's so much pressure to do so, right? To like, to be okay, to like appreciate that we're a mom and that we have a healthy baby and, you know, <laughs> and we I have so many more amenities I... that, than the previous generations. Yeah. It's really easy to feel yeah. guilty having fun. <laughs> it's such a guilt trip and it's such a great way to keep women down. Yeah. I just think yes. like, if we keep saying like, you're, we would never say this to a child now that we know about child psychology and the developing mind. We would never say, like, um, you know, you should be grateful. Uh, you, you, you can't have any of these feelings. You are a bad kid for having a hard time. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I, mean, I do think sometimes I, I, do, I have actually gone on that tirade before and I regret it, but that's not how it goes. That's not right. how it goes. Right. That's yeah. not healthy. That's not appropriate. That's not an appropriate reaction. And the, the, the gaslighting, the gaslighting of women is, it's a thing of the past. Right. We're going right. to make it a thing of the past because yeah. we are grateful and we can hold duality. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. I, and 
I think, yeah, I admire so much what you're doing here. And um, it's, I feel like when my friends now who are having babies, I often think like, okay, well, what did I want at that time? I knew I wasn't getting everything I needed. So what can I offer? And I still find that I'm not so good at knowing what another I know, mother yeah. will need. Like how do, if I, I talk a big game about needing more support, well, what, am I any good at offering it? I don't know. And I don't, I don't actually really don't think so. Um, so I felt like I really feel this is your offering. Like, your movie is your offering. offering as the podcast yeah. may be yours. It's like, and yeah, at least I can offer exposure. And, and I have channeled a lot of energy because it takes a lot of energy to do a project like this um, yep. into, into this film as like, okay. Um, all right. As many viewers as I, as I hope we'll, we'll see the film, like, please, this is, this is to help us be uh, aware of, I mean, it's not a call to action film. It's awareness. It's just, um, and it's a story. It's, uh, so it's called another happy day. Mm -hmm. Um, it stars Lauren Lapkus as a new mother, um, who is, uh, married to somebody who, really seems to have the parenting thing down and she mm. does not. Um, mm. And because she can't connect to him, she can't connect to her baby and she um, uh, can't connect to strangers or old friends. She uh, finds this sort of unexpected friendship in a distant relative and aunt that she never knew. Um, and they're both creative people. The protagonist, Joanna is an artist and her aunt is an actress and mm. um, they forged this sort of codependent friendship. So <laughs> they, they do enjoy spending time together, but they still are separate from the outside world. Um, and they're a really, it's really a story of intergenerational friendship as much as it is oh. about the portrait of new motherhood. That's always been oh something God. I've been interested in. And I, I know that's something that you're interested oh, in. Oh, you knew so. that, that, you knew I love old people. <laughs> Yes, because I I know of your your film also. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, you know there was um there was a a whole scene of Lynn Cohen getting dressed. You know, she's this old woman, and like I had never seen like we cut it out of the film, but I still have the raw footage. And like, where is it? And how can I? What can I do with it? But there's a whole montage of her beautiful old body being tended to with jewelry and lipstick and a suit all in her nursing home. I, well, I love people in general, but like, I just feel like something's up with our old people. Why are we not celebrating them more? I'm so happy to hear that you are. Oh my gosh. I, I think we have a lot of the same uh, <laughs> um, and Lynn Cohen is a, was a beautiful, beautiful actress. And I think yeah. it's amazing that you worked with her. Um, yeah. Who was the actress playing the older woman? Uh, Marilyn Dodds Frank. And frankly, she reminds me a bit of Lynn Cohen. Um, she's wow. a theater and I mean, she's a theater and film actress. She was in New York, but I knew her in Chicago. We did a play together many years ago where we were, she was the older me. I was the younger her. And we got really close mm. to her. And she was That's so cool. Um, yeah, she. I really. I was really inspired by her. To I. I wrote the role for her. Um, so cool. I'm actually working on a, a film now that uh, features an older woman, and I'm like, okay, great. Maybe okay. That yeah. Lady. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Also, I want to be that lady. 
I want to be that lady. I want to be, I want to be like old yeah. and, and acting and telling yeah. stories like, hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. It's so nice to look forward to that and not dread it. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. so many people, oh yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And especially if we're uh, writing in great roles, then maybe those roles will, uh, you know, be there for us. <laughs> yeah. Or we can write them. We could write them for us to land yeah. on one day. Yeah. I don't know. I just think, um, man, those old, older <laughs> perspectives, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. voices. I mean, oh, yeah. I just think they're so special. I'm so happy mm-hmm. she's featured. How many days did she work, actually? It's like such mm-hmm. an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. With with Lynn, we only had her for two days. And you can see in the film, her eyes start to get really tired. And it's actually oh, yeah. stunning. And, um, you know, it's something to be mindful of production-wise. There are so many mindful bits of your production that I want to touch on, actually. Yeah. Well, you know, I knew that making this film, it had to form and function had to go hand in hand. I can't make a film that's like women need more support when they become mothers. You know, uh, we need a better work life balance and then not provide that. That felt absurd, Uh, especially when the film industry is so egregiously, um, you know, uh, it it just takes people's um, lives hostage. Right. We're going to work 14 hour days, but we're going to get it done. And it's kind of celebrated how the long hours. Um, and it really yeah. cuts out a whole swath of people who would like to be working in their field that they, you know, trained in and worked in. But if they have children, it's really hard to make that yeah. work. Um, so, um, I definitely, I wanted to do shorter days. Frankly, I wanted to do shorter days. Like I, I knew that it was already such a big swing for our family to be putting this kind of energy into a project. And I knew it would kind of swallow up swallow me up during production. Um, but I felt like if we did the planning right, we could, um, we could have shorter days. Mm -hmm. Um, and I credit so much to my producer, her name's Jesse Holder toward a lot and she's brilliant. And we both, she's a mother of a one-year-old. And so it was very much on her mind. You know, we, we really shared that priority. I mean, there were so many times where the priority of shorter days would have flown out the window, but we fought sure. all the time. It was part of the ethos. It was how we hired people um, to set that, set that intention. Like the rates didn't change. We still maybe foolishly provided two meals. You arrived and had breakfast and there was also Foolish. a lunch and it was still eight hours. Um, Stop being so kind and supportive. <laughs> Stop <know>. that. <laughs> Don't be the change you want in this world. <laughs> Um, I spent like a part of the reason I think production went as smoothly as it did. It was a 20 day shoot. Um, uh, was that pre-production was actually like physically painful. Like it was so hard to prepare. I want, I mean, I just didn't want question marks. I didn't want, um, uh, for my, my own, uh, process as director of, of my first feature film, I wanted to really know what each day um, held so that, and what each, you know, each shot and why, and wow. how I would talk to the actors. I mean, I created so many documents for myself that were <laughs> like preparation for wow. the vision of the film so that I can so that I could also have a shorthand with all of the department heads so that I knew, so that we were all on the same page, that we weren't spending our time, like deciding we were spending our time, like, you know, playing, Executing. And figuring it out okay. and discovering the thing that we'd already made the choice about. And 
it also meant that, um, I mean, I think a huge part of it was that, um, we shot very leanly and we shot to the, to the edit in my head. So wow. we weren't just getting coverage to get coverage like, oh, okay, so we'll have, we'll get the close up just cause you know, just cause we might need it. We might need something to cut to. There were a lot of oneers and a lot of wides. Wow. Really oneers meaning one take. Sorry. I just want to translate. Take, one shot. Yeah. Sorry. One um, shot. Yeah. But like, we do the, we do the, um, like a whole scene in from one camera angle, the camera would not stop. We wow. could then stop it at cut and then go again and take, have another take. But in the edit, you're only going to use one of them. So you really have to get the whole scene right. Like a play, which is like, I was wow. just going to say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a theater person. Of course, I'm interested in coaching my actors to ride the wave of a whole scene. Now, That's as right. it turns out in the edit, as nice as it is to not be buried in footage, I, I think our editor is also um, seeing the other side of that coin, which is she doesn't have a whole lot of other stuff to cut to. Mm -hmm. I, you know, yeah. the shots that I chose are the shots that are mostly, you know, that are in the film. And there are, there isn't that much choice. Like we don't have the close up. like, sorry. Yeah. There's a great big pause in that scene. Some <laughs> people squirm and some people won't. And, and we're, you know, wow. if, if the pause wasn't there, would we have cut to somebody else? Or something else, or the flowers, or the flowers. Yeah, like they're like punch-ins. Like sometimes, sometimes directors will, um, will just like you know hold on a uh, framed photo or the coffee or whatever else, and and that could be a, a, a deliberate choice, and it also mm -hmm. can be coverage, as they call it, which means oh, they this isn't this is a long time on this person's face. I need to. <laughs> to see their hands for a second just yes. so that I get a, a breather. Yes. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a lot quicker for you to edit actually. Exactly. We picture yeah. locks today. Um, what? No. Yes. yes. Congratulations. This, what the, that took you five minutes. I know. It was I mean, really not, but not, but no, not. Four years. I mean, we could, right. It, it, it took six years, but now it feels so fast. Um, but we had the editor working during production because we knew we wanted to like, you know, it's, the, it's towards the end of the year. We wanted to be able to make some film festival deadlines. We kind of worked backwards from that. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a fast editing process. The editor mm -hmm. herself was like, yeah, I mean, like I this is the fastest process I've ever had. I could totally spend more time on this, which is, you know, a, a mixed feeling. Like part of me is like, oh, gosh, like, should we? And then another no. part of me is like no, let's, let's, you know, deadlines are good. Let's make this, let's make this happen. Like that's how theater works. Like opening yeah. night is opening night and you just, you make it ready. Um, mm -hmm. then again, you have the run and it can grow and change and you have many sure. chances at it. But, um, but, uh, anyway, uh, the, the short, the short days felt like a huge priority because that wow. affected everyone. And then childcare was for the parents, not only, <sighs> um, for, um, the, uh, I mean, it, it was, it was for the parents, but it was also to demonstrate that it was a welcoming place for parents so that even, um, as we were talking to people who might come aboard to be able to list it as a priority, um, even though I wish there were more mothers aboard the, uh, the project, there were several, um, but the lead had a baby, right? She had a baby, um, the producer uh, Jessie, and you, I had two. Um, yeah. Our director of photography had a 12-year-old. Um, 
and that counts. <laughs> that counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, another featured actress had two small children, very small children. Beautiful, so, beautiful. Um, yeah. Um, so that um, that felt like hugely important to like the ethos of the film, to the fabric of like the story we were telling, is to be able to offer it. You know. You know what? I'm actually thinking the listener might not think that this is strange at all. Mm. <laughs> so like an eight hour work day with childcare provided, like, yeah, some work environments do that. The film Ooh, industry or is childcare so provided, but, the, the, but they're barely at. So can you tell us what a film set without these precautions or, or considerations would look like just so that we understand yeah. how very, how very special this experience was. Yes. Well, I mean, the film industry, it's so expensive to make a film. And as you often hear about film, time is money. So oftentimes it's a day. Things are broken down into how many days of a shoot there are. And and a day costs X amount of dollars. So you want to get as much done in each day. Um, So that means that if you really want to get a lot done, you have a long work day, like 14 hours. And there are, of course, stipulations for overtime, um, but a l- I think the calculus is often that overtime is clicking on over to overtime is uh, still more affordable to the production than having more a longer production time. Um, mm, more days, in, so more, days. more yeah. hours in each day is actually less expensive for the production than more days yes. in. The, yeah. the the life of the the shooting time absolutely like and that i mean a clear example of that is you rent your camera gear you rent your camera gear not for the hours in the day but the amount of days you'll have it so if you are on a budget which every film is regardless of how high the budget is um ours was very you know uh, modest um so we're we're calculating. Okay, we want the camera. We want the camera gear for the shortest amount of time that we can make this film. But what? How much time does this film really need to take? Um, well, um, it's a bit of a calculus between what you can afford and what you need and all those things. Um, but a typical film production would probably, especially in the independent scene when money is so tight, like it would click into fourteen-hour days pretty quickly. Um, and yep. there's there's a bit of that like. And theater has this too, like this sort of like pride in it. Like we're just, we love this so much and we're just going to barrel through and there's a bit of a high and everyone's in it together. Um, so uh, that, yeah. Anyway, that can be, um, you know, one of those cultural norms that gets established and then you're proud of it, but it really is problematic. Right. It's also problematic for the working parent, male oh, or yeah. female, by the way. Um, Absolutely. Because if, if even if you're shooting for 14 hours, like the drivers on set, right? They're yep. there for a long time, hours yep. and hours and hours. Yep. Um, and they likely have families also. So yeah. what you provided was a touch base for the families to be together during the day, during lunchtime, for the child. And, and also like, you know, these these lower budget films, these independent films, they don't pay a huge amount of money um, a day for an actor or for the crew. Um, We do it for the love of the craft. Mm -hmm. And often 
you would have to pay a babysitter. You would have to pay a babysitter $20 an hour to, to take care of your child while you're getting paid. Now, SAG minimum, meaning the union, is about $100 a day. That means it would cost the parent to be a part of the production, which often parents will sign up for, but how many times until they're pushed out of the profession? So what Nora um, so beautifully advocated and worked towards is something incredible and something that I I have never seen. I have never seen it. When my friend posted it on on Instagram, we were both like, is this even a thing? (laughs) Oh, that's I'm so I'm so glad we connected over it because obviously we care about the same thing so deeply. Um, Yeah, I. A part of doing it is to set a precedent for it, to say, if it can be done at this budget level, then there is no excuse for for uh, a shorter day and childcare being provided on a larger set. Wow. Well, where can we find more about you and the film moving forward so that we can celebrate and build on top of this success and this cultural movement? Well, thanks, Daniela. Um, so the film is called Another Happy Day. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Another Happy Day Film. And I have a website, anotherhappydayfilm.com. Um, and, uh, you know, I the ideally the film will be out into the world um, next year, hopefully in the film festival circuit. Um, and uh, and then somewhere that everyone can see it. That's, that's yeah. the, that's so the, the, the film... The film festival circuit, you'll, you could probably see these um, up, updates on the website or Instagram and like, hey, if it's in Chicago, you can come see it yeah. before anyone else. Mm-hmm. That exactly. cool? I mm-hmm. love the lead of your film. I think she's so funny just like as a person, like even just like the way she, um, <laughs> just the way she is. She just has a really humorous, likable uh, quality. And so I just... I'm excited to see your performance and your writing and your directing. I've been a fan for so long of yours. And Oh Oh my gosh, likewise. And I I just want to say that when I saw you in Ocean's 8, okay, Nella, I went on my birthday to see this film. I was like, this cast is amazing. I'm going to take myself out on my birthday and I'm going to, I'm going to watch this movie. And like the first moments I was like, Oh my God, this is so personally exciting. But also, may I just say that in that star-studded film, it is the best scene in the film and you are the best actress in the film. That scene is so good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. is the best scene in the movie. I was like, oh, this movie's going to be great. And then I was like, that that was the scene. Like, that's what I came for. (laughs) Bye-bye. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like five minutes in. Did you know that I was pregnant, eight months pregnant with Ness in that scene? No. Yeah, just like what a what a great what a great tie up. What I mean, so yeah. I was eight yeah. weeks pregnant when I auditioned. Oh and my God. they pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And the casting director, who is still a friend who lives around the corner, and the writer who also happens to be around the corner, we were not friends before this. Um, advocated on my behalf. And I will say it was advocating because just as you so beautifully told us the story about playing Mipris as a pregnant woman, which could totally have been possible yes. <laughs> and uh, 
that casting director didn't advocate on your behalf. This mm-hmm. casting director did. Her name is Shana Markowitz. Oh, the writer is God. Olivia Milch. They are both mothers. They are incredible. They were not mothers at the time, but they oh. were like, wait, shop girls can be pregnant. I don't know what the problem is. Right, right, right. WB. Oh, and there it was. God. And there was the best, the best scene in the film, says Nora Pfeiffer. Really? Oh my God. Oh my God. I Thanks. think about it. You're so great. You're so great. And I love what you're doing, Daniela. Thank you for inviting me here. Thank you for coming on, really. And thank you for the work you're doing. 